You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's one of the most wonderful times of the year. It's playoff time. And although our beloved L.A. Kings are probably on the golf course right now, I'm sure we can find a few interesting Kings things to talk about. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Hey, man. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm enjoying playoff hockey, even though it doesn't include the L.A. Kings in it. Uh, some good series, man. Some real, real good series out there. Never fails to disappoint the first round. I can't remember any time. Never fails where... to impress, you mean? What did I say? Never fails to disappoint. Oh, uh, got you. I've been thinking about the last two times the Kings were in the playoffs, obviously. That's no, right. that, that, <laughs> that absolutely never fails to disappoint. That's right. <laughs> never fails to amaze. There you go. And entertain the first round of the playoffs. Uh, many people consider it the best round because things are wide open. Everyone's excited. You know, towards the latter rounds of the playoffs, you see things slow down a little bit. Defense becomes much more of a priority for teams. It's more of a grind. Right now, it's fun, man. Everyone's free-flowing, so I hope everyone's getting to watch it. I certainly am. Mm -hmm. Work from home is amazing. I hope it (laughs) continues forever. Uh, But the Kings are our main concern Mm -hmm. on this beautiful evening. Let's talk about it, man. Uh, Closing out the season for this team, I think instead of talking about the games, which whatever, I'm not really interested in talking about the game specifically. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm more concerned about the performance. And I got to start with Gabe Velarde because I've been banging the Gabe Velarde drum long enough. And he had a very tough go there for a while. But towards the end, it looked like he turned it around. And no one is as happy as I am about it. I think he had he closed out the season almost point a game in that final stretch. Looked real comfortable with Leas Anderson, which makes me very happy. And... I sincerely hope that becomes a pair moving into next season. If they could find a winger, I don't know who could be out there, Vardy. Who could be out there? That would be complimentary. Who could, to Gabe who could be a mysterious player who has, I don't know, some sort of a finishing ability, maybe a hard shot, maybe even, maybe even played with Gabe before. God, I wish we had someone like that. I can't like under the radar. Someone you know, who wouldn't hit the cap too hard. I mean, Ferk, man. I wish I could think of someone. Ah. So annoying. Can't think anyway, of that freaking player. Yeah, it's. But your trying... thoughts on Gabe Velarde? I mean, I'm I'm overjoyed to kind of see the play towards the end of the of the year. You know, um, certainly not easy, uh, especially because the last batch of games were mostly against Colorado. But I think going back to the Anaheim game on April 28th, it looks like when he had that pretty much wide open goal. I think we talked about that on the last episode and um, just this position seemed to kind of shift from that point. Um, I don't think he was paired with Anderson quite yet towards the end of April. Uh, That pairing kind of found itself a little bit towards uh, the first week of May. um, And it just seemed to click. And it was really nice because clearly these are two guys with uh, first round pedigree. Um, Leas Anderson, Um, the Kings, you know, obviously brought him in, uh, for a second round pick at the last draft. They traded him, they they traded for him from the Rangers, I should say. Um, and I think his role is still to be defined on this team. Um, 
which is interesting to say because he's he's a little bit older than our other prospects. And clearly, you don't invest a second round pick to trade for a guy like that if your plan is to just bury him in the minors and not really involve him. Right. So, but that seemed like that's what was happening most of the season. It was just kind of back and forth, right. AHL play up for a game or two. You know, meanwhile, Austin Wagner is just a constant in the lineup, buddy, because we because we need whatever it is that Austin Wagner brings. Um, but it was nice to see towards the last couple weeks, um, those two being put together. And it was nice to see them playing some really entertaining, free-flowing, creative hockey. And that, I felt, was leading to productivity from both of them. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know if that necessarily will be immediately the pairing or two-thirds of the line uh, projection for those guys for next season, but you have to figure that, you know, Velarde has already been um, many times over kind of slotted in, in the two C three C position. Um, I think Elias Anderson may have played himself pretty solidly into, into a roster spot, you know, at the beginning of next season, at least. Great. Uh, Velarde, five points in his last six games. Mm-hmm. Looking confident, making confident plays, most importantly. Um, and even more importantly, actually, he's happy. That's what we want. It's a favorite Gabe. Happy Gabe. Happy Gabe is the Gabe we want. Getting more minutes, too, I should say. I mean, the last last four or five games, he was averaging 16 minutes, roughly. You know, prior to that, he was averaging somewhere around 11, 12, 13, towards the end of March, early April. So clearly gaining some trust back from McClellan and the coaching staff as well. Yeah. And I'm really happy that he, you know, he faced adversity and he turned it around. And what impresses me most about the whole thing is that he changed the way he was playing. He, I think he made a concerted effort to simplify his game and kind of just do the little things that make you an effective player when you're not scoring. I don't think mm-hmm. he was doing that when he was in that 20 game slump or whatever it was. I think he was still trying to be whoever in his mind he thought he was in the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. but you could see that he was committing himself to other parts of the game. And when you do that, usually from what I've watched and seen all the years we've been watching this game is that the results come almost after that, after you do the work, after you, you know, do the work in all three zones, I should say, then the offense comes if you're as talented as Gabe Velarde is. And that's what I was most impressed with. Again, he's such a young guy. His bread and butter has always been being a creative player. Uh, Kind of this under the radar, even in junior, man, he was like this under the radar scorer. Yes, he had huge numbers, but he wasn't one of these like overly noticeable players on the ice until Mm -hmm. he made, until he made a play where you're like, holy crap, like he could do that. So I have no issue with him continuing that way. Uh, I think he's learned a lot this season from what I've seen, from what I hope, obviously. And I think rolling into next season, man, I'm really excited to see what he does. I think it's a big season for him, um, probably personally and for the for the team too, because next season in general is such a huge season for this franchise. Right. And it's going to trickle down to guys like Velarde and guys like Byfield and Kupari, and we can talk about them too. Uh, we saw a little bit of them towards the end. You know, I think we've said many things about Quentin Byfield, but he looked more comfortable every game. Uh, looking forward to his progression, obviously. He seems like the kind of kid that's going to put in the work 
this off season and he's going to come ready for the season. He's still going to be very young. So I'm not going to have some kind of over the top expectation for him. Sure. Uh, but excited to see what he can do. And finally, Rasmus Kupari, the main thing with him uh, in his last few contests, uh, the, the last look he got a different player than when we, when we last saw him, a more confident mm-hmm. player, a more assertive player, Great to see him using his speed. That's his go-to, right? That's what the scouting reports have always said about him is his speed. And sometimes that can make you nervous because that was a scouting report on Adrian Kempe. And mm-hmm. maybe we can get into Adrian Kempe <laughs> and my feelings about him a little later. But, you know, he's get, he showed up on the score sheet. He was dangerous multiple times. You could see on the rush how effective he can be. Uh, there was this one place uh, particularly, I think it was against Colorado, where he had all kinds of speed down the wing and he actually leaned in and and used some power to to make a play. So little things, positive things. I guess the unfortunate part about all this is that there's a very good chance that he might not be here next year, just judging by the offseason and what quotes came out of the exit interviews with management and the players. There's a lot going on there. But uh, your thoughts on Kupari specifically and a little bit about Byfield. Um, before I jump into that, if, I'm, if I could just bookend the discussion of, of Gabe just, just a touch, because we forget that he's yet to play a full NHL season, sure. by the way. He's played 64 games. Um, this was obviously not a full season for him. Um, and I think it's important to keep that in mind that in a lot of ways, this was a very big, very, uh, very much of the first taste he was having of a full NHL season. And even that was not a lot, but if you, if you track out what his numbers have been so far in his career, he's got 30 points in 64 games. If you project that out to an 82 game season, that's 38 points. So 38 points in a, in an 82 game season for a rookie is, is really not bad. Honestly, especially for a team with such an anemic offense as the Kings, um, I think it's overall very encouraging. And I agree with you the the ups and downs, the the learning that comes from that. I'm hoping that's going to carry over into the next season for him, for Anderson, um, and then to get into Byfield and Kupari, like you mentioned. Um, I'm I am so not worried about Quinton Byfield. I'm. I, I don't even care if he comes out and he's only got 30 points next season, 20 points, whatever it is. The The skill is so much there. The physique will come. The learning will come. He's he's 19. You know, it's, it's not easy to come in and be an immediately productive player at age 19. I'm glad he got a taste of NHL hockey. He has a sense of what the speed, the positioning, the... Uh, body control, all those things that go into it, all those subtleties that quite frankly, you don't really care about or need to utilize when you're playing junior hockey. So, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but this kind of ended up being a blessing in disguise for the Kings for, for the COVID season to allow guys like Byfield and Kaliev to have a full uh, pro season under their belt. I think it's only going to help their development. I think it's only going to help the Kings in terms of figuring out what to do with their pipeline. And Kupari is another guy. Now, Kupari obviously has played uh, 
parts of two plus seasons in the AHL now. Um, clearly very, very confident. That play that you mentioned in particular was was really something to see because um, to, to make that kind of swooping play that he did, uh, you know, from a center position, come down, pick up the puck, turn it around immediately, trying to catch the other team in transition, um, that's, that's part instinct and that's part, you know, hockey knowledge. That's, that's kind of an unteachable skill to me in a lot of ways, like to, to get a sense of like knowing when to do that, knowing when to go off on a rush like that. Um, again, good to see now, where does he project out in this lineup? Where does he end up projecting out a long-term as an NHL player? That's, that's really tough to say. That's very, very tough to say. And then um, from a King's perspective, keeping in mind now, well, you've only got so many roster spots and you've got all of these guys kind of coming up at the same time now. I I don't know what they're going to do with that logjam. I mean, I, I thought for sure Alex Turcott would have gotten an NHL game or two in and that never happened. You know, I, I don't know when the Kings look at their organizational depth at this point, who slots above who anymore, aside from Byfield, I think pretty much being at the top of that, of that heap. But, you know, for, for a team that has the pipeline that the Kings have and the lack of actual NHL talent that the Kings have, um, and keeping in mind some of the things that were said by the veterans during those exit interviews, specifically, you know, Drew Doughty and, and Kopitar making comments about the cap space and the need to inject some immediate talent onto the Kings. Doughty going so far as saying that, you know, if he's not seeing some growth uh, and some effort from the front office, even to bring in guys to supplement, you know, what the what the team has right now, um, specifically saying that you can't be waiting the entire time for these prospects to develop because you're wasting some prime years towards the end of Kopitar's his and Brown's career. Again, I think a lot of it is hinting towards uh, free agency additions or trade additions, um, utilizing, I think, some of those prospects in the pipeline as collateral in those trades. Yeah, Rob Blake was pretty straightforward in his exit interview, basically saying we will take the necessary steps to get better. And that's a pretty cut and dry statement. Um, Drew Doughty's comments, like you said, about wasting their prime, I think it seems to be an organizational philosophy i don't think it seems like it's not just drew and it wasn't just because drew said that mm-hmm. all across the board it seemed like everyone agreed and when the gm agrees then you know something is coming and i think the kings have put themselves in a position now where not only can they go out and explore these options i think they have to at this point i think you have to take a good long look at the trade uh avenue because if you look at the ufas available it's not the greatest class of players and not only that a lot of those players that you might put at the top probably have other plans in terms of their age and in terms of what they want in their next contract they want to compete immediately things like that um i think all signs point to a trade and unfortunately or fortunately we don't really know 
who's available for trade, except for one guy who straight up pretty much said, I want to be traded. Other than that, I don't really, you can't really prognosticate who you, you can go get, who you, who's available, things like that. Right. Um, so it is going to be a fascinating, absolutely fascinating offseason for the Kings. Right. I've heard, you know, it's the most crucial offseason for the team in years. And this isn't just like you and I saying a lot of people have been saying this <laughs> yeah. close to the team, um, make or break kind of offseason, perhaps an offseason that will set the course for this team for years to come. So, yeah, yeah the, hype, I, the hype is certainly there. And it's not just the hype. I mean, the, the ability is there. Again, the, the pipeline, the pieces available for trade are there. The cap space is there, whether they decide to go after some free agents or if they decide to take on some some dead money contracts or something like that to, to kind of spice up trade options for them. I, I think they're, they're at a very pivotal transition point. I think, and another thing that you had brought to my attention, which I, I don't know how I didn't really think about this, but the division is drastically different for them next season. Yes. You're, you're taking out, you know, the current division structure as it was three of the teams that made the playoffs from the Kings division this year are not even in their division next year in, in Colorado, um, uh, St. Louis and Minnesota, they moved to the central back into the Pacific comes Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. Two out of three of those teams were not playoff teams this year. Correct. So, taking into account the wild card format and all those things kind of going back to what it was, the Kings best shot of getting into the playoffs next season is to be the third seed in the Pacific. And that should very much be their target because that, what that means is they have to be better than Vancouver, Calgary, Anaheim, San Jose, and the new incoming team in Seattle, which hopefully we don't have another golden Knights situation on our hands. Barring that, I, I, I don't see why that's not doable. I mean, they might have even been able to do that this year if, if the division was played out that way. Not only is it doable, I think they have to. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a little hyperbole. No one has to do anything. But I think the way this team, the flashes they showed this year, the division lineup next year, I think it would be a failure if they didn't. Yes. I think that's that's the proper yes. way to put it. Because to be ahead of those and not, teams, not even from an external standpoint. I mean, it sounds like from an internal standpoint, the players and the management would consider that a failure. It wouldn't just be pundits and fans calling it that. Correct. Um, let's take a look at the UFA class. Just I'm going to rattle rattle off all the names or the top names, and you could kind of figure out what's an option and what's not. Obviously, like mm -hmm. Alex Ovechkin is not an option for the Los right. Angeles Kings. Ryan Getzlaff, for example, is probably not an option. Uh, Taylor Hall is, is probably the top name. I truly believe Taylor Hall is re-signing in Boston. I think the way he has performed and the way it's working out for him, I think he will do whatever it takes on his end and, and with his camp to make sure he lands with the Boston Bruins. So right. I, I eliminate him. David Krejci is another one. Now, he might be moving on, but I don't yeah. think a 35-year-old center is the answer for the Kings. Yeah. And, and I think that's the answer for how the Boston squeezes in Taylor Hall's contract is because Krejci's contract is like 5.6 million, something like that. He's great. oft injured, talented, talented by far, but that's not, that's not the type of player. I think the Kings are 
are looking for right now. I agree on that. Right. And and same for Paul Stasny. He's 35. Right. Like these aren't the eight. This isn't the age group. I think the Kings would be targeting. That's a right. one year deal, two year deal max. That's a stop gap. Maybe if you think, you know, there's, let's say you get a winger and you're just waiting for Kaliev to, to become a full part of the team. I don't know. Like Brandon Saad's only 28, but is, mm-hmm. and Colorado's, probably gonna look elsewhere because they're gonna have uh, guys to sign but again you look at like ryan nugent hopkins there's just no one that you would be like that's a fit and that's someone the kings need to be targeting now nugent hopkins is is interesting and i know you have brought him up in in the past in our conversations in that he's a hybrid kind of a center wing he Mm -hmm. can kind of play both he's 28 years old I don't know if he's looking for a raise. He's a, he's on a $6 million contract. I think that's probably what he's, his market value should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at the Oilers, man, they, they need him. <laughs> they, you look at their depth. It does not exist past that first line Yeah. again. And we say this, been saying this year after year. So I don't know if they're very eager to let him walk. Um, they're more than likely, set on bringing him back if anything so i don't really see anything here and i'm looking up and down there's just nothing here where the kings could yeah. should be aggressive about maybe you could you you know a kyle palmary kind of periphery signing yeah like something where you're like okay this is something I, uh, to solidify things not something none of those names move the needle yeah, it, i think none of them none of them none of them spark I don't hear any of those names and think to myself, this answers a problem for us. You know what I mean? Correct. Even, even Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, 50, 60 point guy can play up and down the lineup. I think there's, there's some value there. I think there's an ability for him to slot in and be helpful to the King certainly, but do I sit there and go, that's the guy that's going to be an answer. That's that's the guy we should be targeting. It, it just really doesn't strike me that way. I would, again, I would almost prefer a guy like Kyle Palmieri where I know he's a consistent scorer. He's a good team guy. You know, he's, he can be an answer on it as a top, you know, top six winger. No problem. Good for 20 goals. No problem. Um, But again, you're talking about a guy now who, played in New Jersey for several seasons, now is in the island. It goes both ways, right? Like, I can't imagine a guy like him is looking to go to a rebuilding team like the Kings at age 30. I would imagine he's probably looking to sign a two- or three-year deal with one of those teams that are kind of on the brink because he'd like a cup. So I think that's that's the, the trick here is either you – throw way more money than you should at a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Or you, again, you go back to the avenue of, of looking for trades, which I think is a more realistic one because you have the cap space, cap space to accommodate a higher paid player, perhaps. Or again, take on a little dead money from a team who might be looking to alleviate you know, some salary cap issues that they might have. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Jack Eichel. <laughs> one more, uh, one more name though in the UFA thing. If I, I think Dougie Hamilton might be someone that they target. Man, I don't I, think so. 
again, it's it, he's going to get a huge deal. I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but I'm. It's got to be nine plus at least in that territory. Eight. No way am I disagreeing on that. But 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 if you think to yourself that offense from the defense was a major issue for the Kings, which I do. Which again, and they're constantly looking for like a dynamic second pairing, borderline first pairing defenseman, which on any team Dougie Hamilton probably is. To me, when I look at that UFA crop, his name is the one that stands out as someone that I could see them really aggressively going after. I mean, they could. They could. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with Carolina's cap situation. But I would assume they're going to do everything in their power to bring them back. Yeah, I mean, I could take a look at that, but I, I just yeah, think to myself, Carolina's got so many good freaking players on young entry-level deals right now that they're, I can't defense, imagine. You know, it's like Nashville's defense a few years ago. Right. Like, take someone off and they're still fine. Right. Um, a lot of talk about needing a left-shot defenseman. I'm not – look, I – I understand the importance of having that versatility on your back end, uh, but I wouldn't disregard a player like Dougie Hamilton because he shoots right. Correct. You know what I mean? So Correct. I, I get that. Um, I just, I don't know. That seems like a pie in the sky kind of thing. It's sure. But again, if you've got 30 some odd million plus of cap space, I mean, if you're going to swing for the fences, that's that's the guy I think you swing for the fences for, in my opinion. Um, um, yeah, maybe they do take a run at him. You know, I, I mean, it would be foolish for them not to at least make a phone call, right, and just see yeah. what he's looking for. And, and Carolina's got like 27-some-odd million in cap space, and I'm looking at who they have to resign. And really, there's not a lot of names here that yeah. – that they're another one of these teams like Tampa, man, where they got these guys under – under the right deal at the right time kind of thing. Yeah. And also keep in mind the just the kind of the BS that was happening with Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, where was he last? Calgary? Yes. And then there was this nonsense about museums and all this stuff, right? Right, like, right, right, right. So my, my point is I bring that up because I think when a guy's comfortable somewhere and they found like a home somewhere, it's real it's gonna be hard to get him out of there. Yeah. I feel like everything with the canes is just going right mm-hmm. at this moment so sure target them yeah I, it's good you know it's good to be aggressive but yeah i don't know <laughs> I, I think yeah again i i go back and we go back to this trade now now i can bring up jack eichel okay now you can t- i'm sorry i've cut up i've no, cut no, you off like no, twice and like i think it's but... a good i think it's good to bring up those options because the UFA market is pretty barren, but if you could you could look at it and target one guy, I don't I don't see how it's not Doug, Dougie Hamilton, right? Or Who you just bring back you? Alec Martinez coming off a career year, you know. <laughs> He's a left shot, right? Um, <laughs> Jack Eichel, let's talk about it. Okay. The reason I bring it up is twofold. One is that it's all over the news all of a sudden. I mean, I, I've I've listened to podcasts, I've watched these clips on YouTube where the King's name keeps coming up and it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, Oh, he might, you know, they're, they're a dark horse. No, it's almost like it's the Kings or the Rangers. If it, if this happens, mm-hmm. the two teams that 
consistently and constantly come up are the Kings and the Rangers. Um, on all the Kings men, when we were invited on, on that podcast, I was pretty against getting Jack Eichel, but it, this was when things were kind of rosy for the Kings, right? They were, they were coming off that winning streak. Uh, they played a couple of good games against Anaheim. Well, one good game against Anaheim. <laughs> and and it, there was still a lot of positivity. My position at the time was that the Kings aren't ready in their development, in their trajectory to make this kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what followed was a lot of fans on our Twitter, on, on King's Twitter in general, just really being vehemently against it to the point where it started turning me because the vitriol and the hatred for the thought of this trade was is just insane. Like, yes, mm-hmm. I was against it and I maybe for practical reasons, whatever. But now when I step back and I look at where this team is headed and you. So, you, t- so what you're saying is so many people agreed with you that it made you actually question yourself. <laughs> it's not that they were agreeing with me directly, obviously, but they were on the side I was on where it's like, no, we don't need him. But then, you know, things of like, he's not worth it. He's not a I good see, enough I player. See. And like those things started to anger gotcha, me because I've gotcha. never said that. I would never yeah, say yeah, yeah. that. I think if you think 24-year-old Jack Eichel is not a good player and can only hurt the team, I think you've only watched him play the Kings. Either that or you've never watched him play. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, my point was this. When I looked at the roster and you could kind of see where things are going, tie in the comments from Dowdy, like it makes more sense to me now than it did then. And it's come, it's now gone to the point where I hope that the Kings are preparing a very legitimate offer for this player. Mm -hmm. Now there's a chance that he stays in Buffalo and it was all just posturing whatever to make the Sabres better. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but I am now all in on getting Jack Eichel. If interesting. if it's possible, if it's an option. And the reason is it just makes, first of all, if this is the summer, the Kings are going to change things. There aren't many options. And 24 years old, 80 point guy to come out and say, I'm available. It's not going to happen for a long time. So let's say you skip this off season. What's this opportunity might not come again. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, doom and gloom about oh we can't give up byfield we're not giving up byfield right it's not going to happen in fact if you look back and i this and this is where i got more excited about it because i did all this research research and i'm looking at past trades Mm -hmm. you look at trades for superstars in certain age groups no one of that caliber in terms of a prospect has ever been a return well i shouldn't say has ever at least in the last 10 years or more Mm -hmm has been a return for said superstar player. Um, so I don't anticipate Quentin Byfield being in that trade. I don't anticipate Arthur Kaliev being in that trade. So in my opinion, that's your top two prospects. They're locked in. I don't consider a game a prospect anymore. Yeah. To me, everything I would, I would else, lock him in on that as well. I don't think everything I've heard from the management and what they've seen is that Gabe's not going anywhere either. And the beauty of it is, you take those guys out, you still have a gold mine of prospects that you could offer. 
Right. And it could equal, and it will equal any offer you could show me for a superstar in the last 10 years. Right. Since 2012, only one number two pick has been traded. Since 2012, only one top two pick has been traded. And it was this year, it was Patrick Liney. So that tells me that Quinton Byfield's not going anywhere. There's just too much evidence now. Right. And it also tells me that Jack Eichel isn't getting, you know, some of the ridiculous pr- uh, packages that I've been hearing, like yeah. Byfield, Kaliev, Turcotte in a first. Like, come on. Yeah. Come back to reality. Do some research. Look at trade history. These trades do not happen. That's not to say Buffalo is not going to ask for those things. Of course, they can they ask are. for whatever they want. Yeah, of course they are. That's they're gonna, their right. They're going to, you know, first off, they're going to say, we're not going to trade him. And then subtly, they're going to say, we want this, that. We want every prospect under the sun. And we want, because they can, they absolutely can. But then if you step back and you, and you very objectively look at this, he has a no move clause that kicks in next summer. He's already expressed that he's unhappy with the organization with regards to how they're playing, with regards to how they handled his injury status, et cetera, which I, which I fully admit, if the question here is, we don't really know what his injury status is going to be. We don't really know if he's healthy enough. That's a legitimate question, but that's why teams do physicals. That's why they do all these things before any trade is approved. So put that to the side. Eichel has put Buffalo in a completely no-win situation because the entire league knows that he wants out and when the entire league knows that a player wants out and when the entire league knows that said player is about to have a no movement clause click in the following year you you lose all points of advantage that you might have as an organization to demand certain things now you can the best shot that they have is to put to pin teams against one another in terms of their offers. So say, for example, you know, let's assume it it comes down to the Kings and the Rangers. Buffalo can then sit there and weigh these offers and think to themselves, I want this, I want that. I don't want him playing, you know, in our division in the same state. That would be a PR nightmare. I'd rather send him across the country or something like that. I think those things have to be weighed into account. But yeah, I, I don't know why people think that just because this is what Buffalo is going to ask for, that that's what Buffalo is going to get. It would be stupid of Buffalo at this point to not trade Eichel. I'm not even saying that from the standpoint of a Kings fan. I'm saying that from the standpoint of if I was a if I was a Buffalo Sabres fan, looking at this entire situation, I don't understand what you gain by keeping Eichel. I mean, everything you have tried to keep him happy you signed Taylor Hall, you brought in, you know, you changed coaches around. It hasn't worked. This guy clearly is checked out on your team. So do you really want to keep him for another season when he has complete control over where he goes? Or would you rather have the ability to weigh offers from different teams with some flexibility there and get the best offer you possibly can? Because keeping in mind, you just gave up Taylor Hall for absolutely nothing. And he went off to Boston and looks like a completely different player. So you really got to do your damnedest to get a good return on Jack Eichel. But if you're thinking you're going to get a second overall pick, either Capococco from the Rangers or from or Byfield from the Kings, I don't think that's going to happen because these teams don't have to offer that to you. They really don't. They know that you're, you're bent over a barrel here. Like there's nothing you can do. 
it's very interesting. Like there's so many similarities between this Eichel situation and, and some of the stuff Jeff Carter went through. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy, right? Like Jeff Carter and Mike Richards were traded before their, their 10 year contracts were kicking in. Mm-hmm. So, so much like Buffalo Philly felt the pressure to get rid of those players ASAP before they were in some kind of, I don't know, cap hell mm-hmm. with two players that they viewed as, I don't know, being cancer. I don't want to say cancers, but, you know, having attitude issues, off ice issues, whatever you want to call it. The same kind of stuff everyone's saying about Eichel now, right? Right. A malcontent, this and that, like not a professional, blah, blah, blah. And similarly, um, Jeff Carter was checked out of the Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> right before he came to the Kings, uh, just like many people are saying Jack Eichel is checked out and Columbus didn't have to trade Carter. Right. But given the circumstance of the situation, they did what they did. And look at Jeff Carter. Now look at Jeff right. Carter's tenure with the Kings. Look what he's doing now with Pittsburgh. I don't, I, I hate the narrative of like bad attitude or this player is only in for himself or the fact that Eichel sat there and talked about himself in the exit interview for however many minutes it was. This is the new age player. This is what they're supposed to do. I know it's it's this hockey thing, right? Like having right. character for the boys, everything for the boys and all this stuff. That's all great. But when you're 24 years old and you look at your future and you realize it might be very bleak with this organization, damn right you're going to speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't blame him. I don't hold that against him. I've seen way too many situations where someone – you know, complain about their team went somewhere else and became comfortable and is now doing great. Not just Jeff Carter. There's several examples of this, right? Uh, so I don't buy this whole narrative that he's a cancer. He's going to ruin the team, his attitude, blah, blah, blah. Um, Jim Fox brought up on Twitter that he did not appreciate that Jack Eichel was strictly talking about himself and not the team. But again, Jim Fox was developed and played in a different era where I think that was there was a lot more weight to things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I truly do believe that if you look at the NBA, the stars of the NBA, they don't they're about themselves, man. And it's not the worst thing in the world. It might piss some people off, but it's not it's not the end of the world. I also think you have to take into account the organization here. I think it's a very unique situation to look at a team like Buffalo that time after time after time keeps failing and keeps you know, throwing stuff at the wall, it's not sticking and tries to bring in this guy and tries to bring in the other guy and it's not working. That that goes beyond just, you know, Jack Eichel's a malcontent and he's selfish. I think he's looking at it from the perspective of there's something fundamentally wrong with where I'm playing. I could sit here and I can keep trying to be, you know, positive and say the right things and do that, but yeah, frustration kicks in, man. Frustration kicks in and you start realizing that unless you do speak up, this might be your career. You might be stuck here being the good guy who never ends up winning and you never end up actually being happy. I think I think people disregard the fact that he has a right to be happy as well, you know? He he doesn't have to just get paid 10 million dollars and and take it and be stuck in this like losing organization where they can't seem to get anything right. You know, he's a human being. 
I don't care how much he's getting paid. I don't care that he gets to play a game, quote unquote. It's a hard game. You know, you get hurt. He's he's coming off an injury right now. He's looking at this from the perspective of if I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to keep making this money, I want to do it someplace where there's more to it than just the money. You know, they're and athletes. I, by the way, I like that. I don't mind it at all. I, I am, really don't. I've always been pro player. I've always said, get your money, be happy. It's a short career. And I think there's this old guard, not just in the NHL and sports, that is so resistant to players having control over their yeah. careers. It's a very, it's like this scary thing. Uh, the well, NFL it is scary is still because, like it, that. because yeah. it pushes salaries up. It takes money away from owners. You know, that's, it's, it's a control thing. It's 100% a control thing. Right. And, and the NBA has the players anyway, have superseded that now they're, they're in control and it terrifies the owners. Right. And, I'm sure hockey owners are looking at that and be like, we, you can never let that happen, but mm-hmm. it's going to happen. The clock's ticking today, tomorrow, in a year, 10 years, it's going to happen because at the end of the day, these are the guys putting money in your pocket. Now the NHL is a little different. A lot of teams lose money. I get that, but there's absolutely no reason for a player to not want to change a situation if his situation is shit. And that's what it seems like it is for Jack Eichel. So yeah. Can I promise him it's going to be better in LA? Yes. I can. <laughs> I was going to say, I can, because I feel yes. like the organizational bones are drastically different than what's in Buffalo. It, it used to be like that. It used to be kind of an aimless team. But you know what? When you win two cups, you figure out what you need. And I think if you're going to bring in a guy like Eichel, so you had brought up the point that they were not at the point yet where they should bring in a guy like Eichel when we initially talked about this. My perspective was this is the exact time to bring in a guy like Eichel where you still have Dowdy, Kopitar, Brown still on this roster to, to guide the team, to be looked at as the leaders of this team. I think 24-year-old Jack Eichel does not want to be a leader of a team. I get that he's got the C on his chest because he's the best damn player on the on the on the Sabres and they signed him to this deal, but he clearly is looking for a way to relieve that pressure and just go back to enjoying playing hockey and being productive and maybe growing into that type of leader. So it's the exact time to bring him in. Capitalize on the last few years of those guys' career and maybe teach him how to be a better leader going forward so he can be part of that transition, not just put it over the top, you know, when they're, when they're right there at the end of it. And that's very possible because that's what happened with, with Taylor Hall. Yeah. He was front and center. He was taking a lot of criticism and most of it was deserved, right? If you know, you are who you are and two goals or whatever, isn't going to cut it. But as soon as he goes to Boston and kind of fades into the background, he finds his game again because he clearly it wasn't working in that role in Buffalo. And I wouldn't be surprised if with Eichel is the same. Although I will say, I think Eichel does want to be kind of the face does want to be front and center, but at the same time, I don't think he wants to be the guy when the team fails that all eyes are on him. Correct. I don't think it's a very, very odd situation. I think it's very different to look at Buffalo and know that there's a lot wrong with that team and it is not just Jack Eichel. Oh no, it starts with ownership straight yeah. away. Like it's 
you should read some of the articles <laughs> the, the Sabres beat writers have put together over the last season. It's, it, it's rotten to the core. It's what it seems like anyway. And it reminds me of what the Kings were before AEG took over. Correct. Very similar, right? Like there was a lot of problems. Um, we don't need to get into history lesson, but as soon as AEG takes over a couple of whatever years later, Lombardi comes in and now you have an organization that mm-hmm. the infrastructure is solid and every player that's come in since and left has all they've said is that it's a, one of the top organizations in the league. First class treats their players the right way, so right. on and so forth. So, right. So you were asking what I would make that, what would the let, package Let me be? hear your package. I know my package. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to discuss our packages. Got it. But yeah, um, let me, <laughs> if you want, I could go first. I'm going with Buffalo's request of four, quote unquote, first round pieces. Okay. Okay. Although I'm going to eliminate one of those first round pieces because I think okay. they're, they're out to lunch. Uh, they get the 2021 first round pick. Okay. This is at the draft. Let's say we're at the draft. They get Alex. Which Tricot. I agree is when when I think yeah. if this trade is going to happen, I think it's going to happen at the draft. Cool. Alex Turcotte, Adrian Kempe, and one of Kale Clegg and Sean Walker and the first round pick. And I'm willing to add to that as long as it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. But the reason that's my package is because you literally – take those players away and that first away and you're still in great shape as, mm-hmm. as an organization, your pipeline is stocked. I don't think there's many holes. You could argue Kempe leaves a hole, but I would argue he doesn't. So that, that would be my starting. I'm calling Buffalo. I'm like, this is what you want. This is my offer. Yeah. And if they pull if they say yes, then let's, let's dance. I'm cool with it. I would. Yeah. Make this. I, I don't mind that. I don't mind that trade at all. And I think there's enough pieces there that, you would have to consider, right? Like Alex Turcotte is still a top five pick. I get that in terms of our organizational depth, he's third in terms of centers behind Velarde, Byfield. And even in terms of like prospect strength, you know, he's behind Kaliev, despite the fact that Kaliev went in the second round, I think. Um, but I'm okay with that. I'm, I've been okay Mentally, I've been okay with the idea that Alex Turcott won't play for the Kings. There's only so many center spots, first of all. Exactly. Tyler Madden is tearing shit up. Exactly. Exactly. You've if you lose an Alex Turcott, it sucks. I'm not saying he's not going to be a a 60 point, you know, very capable two way center. I'm not at all saying that, but. If you want, you have to give to get. And I think he's, he's the, he's the piece that kind of, you know, lures, lures it in. And then you spice it up. I like the idea of throwing Kempe in there. Um, You know, it's an odd thing to say about the team's second leading goal scorer, who's on a, a sweetheart deal. But I think we've known for years that this is who Adrian Kempe is. I think in his, in his, in his best state, he's a streaky 40 point guy, roughly give or take. And that's not to say that he doesn't have some value, but I think you, I think you fill in that role and then some when you bring in an Eichel 
So I'm, I'm not, I'm not at all concerned about that. Like you said, you got a gift to get and right. Right. And I also think, you know, now that they have Athanasiu, Athanasiu is in my mind, slightly more talented. If I'm being honest, I think, I think he's just as capable and, and slightly more talented than Kempe is. I feel like Kempe is just speed with the occasional ability to finish, but it's just that inconsistency will always be his, his downfall. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, I'm okay with pulling the trigger on moving him when he's on a good deal, when he's got value. I don't think I'm going to deeply regret moving Adrian Kempe. I'll put it that way. Um, the Clay Walker situation, we've, we've talked about this on Twitter a little bit. Um, I'm concerned that we're going to lose one of those two guys anyway in this offseason, either in the uh, expansion draft. And if that's the case, I'd rather they get moved for something that brings something back. So if throwing one of them into this package actually sweetens the deal, I'm fine with that. And the same thing with the first round pick. This this draft is a bit of a crapshoot as it is. And I don't think any one of those pieces, I don't even think all four of those pieces in general are going to lead me to regret bringing in a guy who has 355 points in 375 games. Like, come on. What are we even talking about here? Uh, my main concern is that the Rangers will beat that immediately. What's your what was your package? Um, Jack Eichel. Very similar. I think I think Turcotte would probably be the the focal point of it. I don't think Kupari makes it happen if it uh, if it came around to that. As the focal point, you mean? As the focal point. Oh no, as like yeah. the yeah. I think I think you have to you have to start with Turcotte. Um, and so, you know, I, I would honestly even be okay with Turcot Kupari, one of the two defensemen and a first. Like that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me. It really doesn't hurt me. Yeah. I'm because cool I still, that. I still look at the pipeline and I go, okay, I'm fine. Like, you know, Akil Thomas might be worthwhile. I, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried because we've, done really really well over the last couple seasons and i'm realistic that there's no way you can have a roster of 12 guys that you drafted developed and slowly brought in all at the same time it just doesn't happen people age and i think it'd be stupid to wait and hope that in the next two or three years these guys are going to be good enough because kobatar dowdy those guys are going to be two or three years older i think you still need to do something with a little bit of urgency. I, I don't think you can just wait until the pipeline's ready. I just, there's not enough time for that. I agree. And in case anyone is listening to that um, trade offer and saying, oh, that's it's not even enough for a guy like Ico. I'd like to present to you the Rick Nash trade mm -hmm. of 2012. Rick Nash was 28 years old. At the time, yes, older than Eichel, but still very much in his prime at 28. Um, we look at his just a quick glance at his numbers. So he was coming off a 67 and a 68 point season, 30 back three straight 30 goal seasons. Mm -hmm. Then he gets traded in 12, 13, 
Um, and then he has a 42-goal season with the Rangers later. So he was one of the top players in the NHL. I don't think anyone would argue that. Legitimate top-line winger, first overall For, pick, correct. Richard winner. Correct. I mean, consistent threat when he was out there. His return was a first-round pick in 2013, Kirby Reichel, eventually, mm-hmm. uh, Artem Anisimov, Brandon Dumins, Dubinsky, and Tim Erickson. Right. That's the trade for this guy. Now, who was on a contract, by the way, who who had a deal. It wasn't like he was coming on and he was a UFA or had one year left. I think he had like four years left because he signed a deal with Columbus a couple of years before that trade. And so the Rangers just picked it up and ran with it. Right. Um, none of those players are throw-ins by any means. Anisimov had a pretty good career. Dubinsky, you know, played for a while. Tim Erickson was a highly touted prospect. So when you're looking at that, you're looking at Anisimov was taken in the second round, I believe. Mm-hmm. 30-something overall. Dubinsky was 60th overall, and Erickson was the first rounder and the first round pick. So right. in the Sabres land where they want four first round assets, the Rangers got two. Right. And, and they got two second liners, basically. And the Kings can, with great ease, give them three of these so-called first-round assets. Now, not saying the Rangers can't. The Rangers are loaded, just as loaded as the Kings are. I know you said they won't give up Capo Caco. I think I think they might. They can. They can, but I, I don't they think might. they have to. They don't, what I'm maybe saying. they I don't. don't. Think they have to. Maybe they don't. But um, my point is this. like These are the – and even I think this might be a little overboard because it's the Rangers, and the Rangers are willing to – to play ball with almost anyone. They've shown right. this for years. Their leadership hasn't changed that much since this trade. Isn't Glenn Sather still somewhere up there smoking his <laughs> cigar? And, you know, James Dolan's still the owner and he loves his stars. So um, I don't think it's going to be some off-the-wall, ridiculous right. three blue-chip prospects and a first. I Those, think that's, that's exactly what people have to realize. Like... This trade, if and when it does happen, you're not going to look at it and go, man, the Kings got fleeced. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen in that way. You might think in that moment that, oh, man, I can't believe they got rid of their fifth overall pick. We gave up our fifth overall pick for Mike Richards. We ended up winning two cups with it. Who sits here and is still lamenting that we don't have Braden Shen? You know what I mean? Like, it's just you have to give to get. And there's certain players that I think are worth giving to get. You can question what you want about his work ethic. You can question the injury stuff. You cannot question the ability. You cannot question that he is a legitimate star, superstar in this league. He was just been on a bad team. who <laughs> has been on a really bad team and has still put up near point of game numbers for his career. I'm in. Great. I'm in on this. Let's do this, guys. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think the Kings have to be aggressive here. 100%. They have to be aggressive. They have. I don't think you're going to find a time in this rebuild or whatever, this rendition of the Kings, where right. you will be in a better position to make this move than you are right now. Cap space, prospects, everything lines up where this is an opportunity 
to make a really big move. I really think they're going to try. I really think. And everyone else does too. I mean, you even had John Rosen, who used to be the LA Kings insider, even throwing in his two cents, basically saying that like, if I was an LA Kings fan looking at this summer, looking at the cap space, the pipeline and all these things, and we didn't end up getting Eichel, I would be really, really disappointed. So this isn't just fan theory anymore. I mean, these are guys who were part of this organization, who were part of the NHL, saw trades come and go, heard about trade discussions that we will never be privy to, looking at this and going, this makes sense in a lot of ways for the team. So I, I think people just need to stop being worried about it on Twitter or, or whatever it is and just understand that when everyone says that this is this is a good deal, that this is a good thing to look into, they're probably right. <laughs> yes. Um, just too many ridiculous things. So much, too much made about this guy's attitude or whatever. Someone's like, go get Jeff Skinner. It's better. Like, hit me over the head with a hammer, bro. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Like, some of these things just drive me up a wall. Like, those are the things that make me be like, God, I, I hope they get Eichel. Just yeah. so I could just read the tears on Twitter. Right. From some of this shit. Anyway, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. But I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm fine with not having a first round pick this season. I don't think it makes too much of a difference. I am fine with several variations of trade packages that involve Alex Turcotte or Rasmus Kupari. That's not to say they're not capable players, but they're just, I don't think you can play all these guys. And I think there's other guys who are going to take those spots. I mean, look at, look at the roster right now. Where, where are you going to play these guys? What are you going to do? They're clearly going to resign Athens to you. If you look right now, there are nine forwards, nine very capable forwards already slotted into play next season. Yes. So, so, I mean, we need to stop this pipe dream that like, okay, Turcotte will come up next season and then Cali will come up next season. Like, it's just not going to happen. How, how long do you expect Kopitar and Dowdy to be playing the way they are? Like, you, you know? You, I agree. There are at least two lines that in my mind are completely set. Yeah. The first line is the first line. It's, yeah. it's, it's Kopitar Brown. I follow until Brown stops basically second line. It's either going to, it's probably going to be Velarde as the center and it might be Leah Sanderson. It might be Trevor Moore. It might be most likely be uh, Athanasiu who's clearly a top six forward. Um, then you still have FERC as an option available to you. You still have Kempe unless you decide to trade him. I mean, and then your third line center is obviously going to be Byfield at this point. I think I've already listed ten forwards. I mean, yeah, and we're not even getting. We haven't even gone to the fourth line that is. Yeah, Anderson, Dolan, Grundstrom together, who have, you know, done well. I would put more with them and just let them go because they were, you know, sure. performing very well. So there, it's just there are only so many spots. And and these aren't battered old men, right? We're talking here. We're talking about young players for the most part, right? Outside of your first line, I mean, these are young guys, right? They they want to play. They're ready to play. Um, and I think Kaliev's going to come up at some point next year. He'll start in Ontario. He yeah. led the reign in points. 
Yeah. Did he not goals and points? Uh, he he might have, but that again, that was due to Kupari being up and down, Byfield being up and down. That's so, fine. He still led a pro team in, in goals and points. He did. He did. So yeah. he's he's proven he could play pro hockey. He's gonna come and up it, next year. Akil Thomas was right behind him, by the there way. There you he go. Wasn't, he was not far behind. So, and Tyler Madden had some injuries. Otherwise, he was putting up numbers as well. This is what I'm saying. Like, you you have to move some of these guys. You have to package. You have to do something. Like, you can't just leave them the rot in the AHL. It, it, it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought to have, like, a nice cap-controlled team on entry-level contracts for all of them. But it just doesn't happen. Even teams like Colorado right now who have a ton of homegrown talent, they traded for a lot of guys. They moved a lot of guys. Some of their best defensemen, they they got in trades and free agent signings with Devon Taves and Sam Girard. Brandon Saad was a trade. Nazem Kadri was a trade. You move. You move guys, you know? Agreed. I I don't know what else to say. It, it's It's the perfect time. It's the right time. I hope it happens. Uh, Cali have 40 games, 14 goals, 17 assists, 31 points. Yeah. He was 15th in AHL scoring, first for the rain. I think and, he's going to play in the NHL next year. Not right away because I think yeah. the Kings, you know, probably won't and, have him make the team. But what and else? The rain is- closed out their season quite nicely. They were streaking quite well and then they ended up losing in kind of the weird playoff round in overtime, but right. they won like eight of their last nine. They were absolutely just rolling at that point. So that's what I'm saying. Like these guys, you're not going to bring them all up. You're not just going to throw away Trevor Moore, who just had a great season. You could throw away Wagner. I don't care. But like, you're not going to bring up Arthur Kaliev and, and put him as a replacement to Austin Wagner playing nine minutes a night. Like that's not, it, it's not, none of this is feasible, you know? You want to tell me that you're going to get rid of Athanasiu so a younger guy can come play? That's horrible. That's that's terrible asset management. You got that guy for nothing, and he put up, you know, 35 points or something like that, clearly showing he's a capable player. And you own his rights. And you own his rights because he's an RFA. So it's just like you have to take this all into account. I think I it's going to happen, dude. I hope let's, so. Let's, let's go. Let's go, boys. Let's do it. Think of the outlook of like, think of how it changes your team. That's, and that's the other thing that baffles me. How can you tell me that if you look at this team now with Jack Eichel potentially on it, it is somehow a worse team in any that's, way? For the I, next I don't think if anyone's saying that, come on now, you're just, that's just bitterness for some odd reason or some kind of vendetta against the player. That's, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Asinine. Like, I, I don't understand how you think that if you bring in Jack Eichel onto this team, you don't immediately become a, a consistent playoff team for the next You're a playoff four or five team seasons. In the hundred percent in the Pacific, I mean, yeah, I don't see how your 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 center depth is ridiculous. I mean, you just round out the rest of the roster at that point. Yeah, uh, Byfield fourth line. <laughs> Amazing! Amazing! Uh, so yeah, we're on board. Obviously, um, my tune has changed. Although, again, I wasn't vehemently against it, um, and now I'm just completely for it. 
I just don't see how this does not work out if, if the Kings pull the trigger on this. Yeah. And how how you can how can you as a general manager look at this opportunity and not just completely salivate with the resources you have, with all the work you've done to build this pipeline, with the cap space you have, how can you not look at that and just be like, over my dead body, this guy's going anywhere except here. So, yeah. Yep. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Which one of these playoff series, by the way, just to kind of shift gears from the Kings, which one of these playoff series have you enjoyed the most? Would you say? Man, that is difficult, but just pure entertainment. It's tough to look past Florida and Tampa. They're right? just, it is just. You wouldn't think that though, right? Like if you looked at all those matchups, you wouldn't think the battle oh, of Florida would be. Oh, I don't know, be... man. I, I was excited about that right out of the gate. They've never played each other. So, you know, right away, like the intensity is going to be there. And they're both so good and mm-hmm. so deep that you knew it was going to be good hockey. I just didn't think it was going to be fireworks like this. Six, five games, five, four games. It's just madness out there. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great series. I'm trying to, the Pittsburgh series has been really good. Mm-hmm. You would think the Islanders and the Pens might, you know, grind them out, but they're kind of scoring nicely. Jeff yeah. Carter is a revelation. For the penguins good for him man Hell good, yeah, for, good him. for him um i'm trying to think toronto got started today so um john tavares man that horrific yeah horrific scene in that game i hope he's okay uh clearly an accident from Corey perry i hope i don't know it's probably a concussion but i hope I, it's not somehow i just don't see how he didn't I, I, he clearly looked confused. He was out. Yeah. He was knocked out. Yeah. And his face was cut from what I saw as yeah. well. So he's probably out for the series minimum. I would think so. I would think so. I mean, if they're being smart with with a guy like him, I think that's the right move. Um, the, the Washington-Boston series has been incredibly entertaining. Yes. Um, I think that's one of the fun things about this uh the playoffs this year is with the with the division structure the way it's been just a ton of bad blood just building up over playing seven eight games with against one another especially in that division which was which was really tight um just a lot of good stuff i'm glad to see colorado still rolling along just absolute juggernauting it yep. uh not that i'm not that i'm in any way you know Nostradamus here, but they were my preseason pick to win the cup, and they look every bit the part at the moment. Um, granted, they're playing St. Louis, so things can change. Um, Minnesota and Vegas has been closer than I would have thought, but um, Vegas is rounding rounding into form yeah. a bit right now, I would say. It, just Vegas is the better team. Minnesota's giving them problems, as expected. Mm-hmm. Minnesota played very well against them um, all season. Uh, yeah. specifically at home. So I'm not too surprised, but um, what's the series you mentioned right before? Oh yeah. Colorado, Colorado. I don't see what's going to change there, man. They're just St. Louis. Can't, they can't do it. And they know yeah. they can't do it. They're two. They're just two steps behind. Yeah. Um, Like they had 
hope for like a total of 45 seconds last game. They made it 3-2, boom goal. They made it 4-3, boom goal, lights out. They're just I just I they are terrifying and they're yeah. clicking right now on all cylinders. Nazem Kadri apparently still an idiot, but whatever. He'll he'll get his five games. And uh they're probably... giving him I, I know they're doing the I don't know, hearing, but, but oh you're speculating. I'm okay. speculating based on the fact that he's done this three out of the last four years, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> that he's gonna get five plus. Maybe yeah. more, obviously. More is yeah. is on the table for him. Um Carolina. So I mean, I'm not surprised they're they're doing what they're doing to Nashville, but they look really good, man. I think they're whoever meets them in the East or whatever the division. It's going to be weird, right? It's going to be like this weird East West mashup. <laughs> I don't even know how they're yeah. going to hand out the conference trophies. That's a good question. I, no clue. Uh, I'm not sure because they're going to really reseed sure. after everyone wins their division. They're going to reseed one to four, one versus four, two versus three. Yeah, maybe they don't. That would be, be that'd be weird. They're that's good. No, they're gonna do it. That's not not happening for oh, sure. Man. But it's it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful hockey. I I'm so glad the fans are back in the building. It has changed the dynamic of every game, except obviously the Toronto series where there's you know Canada still in lockdown. Ontario at least is in lockdown, so no fans in that building probably for the entire first round if not longer we'll see mm-hmm. so uh, but some of these barns have like six thousand people in them and you could swear it's twenty thousand. the way these fans are are energized and rightfully so so mm-hmm. watch them watch all the hockey you can always my two cents it's great yep um I think that's about it. I, I think, think that's that kind it. Of covers. I think I don't have too much else to talk about other than yeah. that it's episode 71. It sure and is. There's three players who have worn the number 71. Well, I got two. Okay. It's a layup. You you should actually have well, you know all three, and they're all three are pretty recent. And okay. I think I know the two you know, and I I think I know the one you don't, and I don't blame you for not knowing the one you don't. Okay. Uh Jordan Nolan. Correct. The most long, longest tenured 71 yes. until until Austin Strand overtakes him, I'm sure. Yeah, and Austin Strand was the other one. Damn it. Well, uh, I figured you knew that one. Yeah, anyway, I knew that one. I didn't give anything away. Um, no, I, knew, I knew that one. So there is one player, this is gonna be a, a short-termer, um, but a roster player okay. for the Kings uh, a couple seasons ago, two, three seasons ago. Hmm. Short termer, yes, interesting. And and God knows the Kings have had plenty of those. Ah, it's not coming to me. Um, played uh 2017-2018. 49 games actually on the Kings. Interesting. Yeah. So For, forward or defensive? Uh, forward. I figured. And they actually traded for him. Oh. No, don't got it. This is where I get to the initials. Oh, God. Okay, why not? Um, TN. Uh, 
T.M. Terry Murray. No. <laughs> uh, man. I don't think I have it. It's cool. Uh, Tori oh. Mitchell. Ah, Tori Mitchell. A very, very forgettable player. <laughs> One of many. One of many, many forgettable fourth-line players. Wasn't he, like, doing – didn't he have a nice little hot streak when he was – He did. He, he had, like, a couple goals that were, like, Tori Mitchell, where yeah, you been? Yeah, yeah. This is, like, he, this is like Nate Thompson, Tori Mitchell, that – Correct. 17-18. When I was fuming terrible. when Nate Thompson was getting more ice time than Ilya Kovalchuk. Actually, Correct. this is before Kovalchuk. 17-18? Yeah. Because uh, he came in after seventeen eighteen, we make the playoffs against Vegas and get our teeth kicked in. Yes. And then Correct. 18 and then the summer of 18, they signed Kovalchuk and completely mismanage him <laughs> and all that stuff. So uh yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Not not a lot of great seasons. <laughs> Not a lot of great seasons. The Jordan Nolan episode has arrived. Uh, clearly. <laughs> clearly it has. Next time we record will be after the draft lottery. Um, we we may actually end up doing uh, another collaborative uh, recording with the gentleman from, uh, from Rink Royalty. We're going to carve out some time for that for sure. Um, and then we'll see. We'll see. When is the draft? End of end of June, per usual. Let's see. NHL draft 2021. Give it a quick Google. Uh, this really shouldn't be that hard to find, but here I am struggling. Uh, let's see. July. Oh man, it's in July. Holy crap. Okay, so July 23rd, 24th. Still plenty of time, plenty of time for those Jack Eichel trade scenarios to really settle in. Can't wait. Oh, it's going to be the best. Can't wait to talk about it with the hockey royalty guys, actually. That'll be fun. I love it. It's going to be good. And then we can, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll, we've we've toyed with the idea of seeing if we can get some guests on the show ourselves. Um, Certainly toyed with the idea of doing some some King's history lessons, which have always been fun, but we just got to find the time to, to do that justice. You know, yeah, wanna... I think we're going to prioritize that this summer yeah. because yeah, I think instead of doing our usual episode, we'll just take the time to really do our research. I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, we'll kind of talk about it more yeah. as we get closer, but I think it'll be fun. And I think it's going to be different. And I think we might have something cool on our hands. Hope so. Hope so. So, uh, thanks for listening. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna outro us this time. So thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate all the Twitter interaction. We're gonna keep it going over the summer. Uh, subscribe, give us reviews, likes, uh, messages, emails, whatever you prefer. You've been listening to the Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.